Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I want to continue and maybe just round up the section on peace because I have prepared the next session. I, was, I thought I would start that today, but I didn't want to leave the peace thing hanging in the middle of nowhere. Um, we are pursuing peace and peacemaking as preparatory or preparatory to prosperity. And where peace is, there God will prosper his people. Peace within and also relational peace. Peace between you and a brother. We then stress the, the challenge to the house. Take that a notch higher and become a peacemaker. Now, peacemaking is an activity. Peacemaking is two things. It's a disposition and it's an activity. So he who is a peacemaker must be the embodiment of peace first. You cannot hope to make peace between others if you are not at peace firstly within yourself. So you have peace between you and God. You had peace in your soul, emotionally. You had peace in the most difficult circumstances. Right? You had peace in the most severest of trials. You've learned the art of sleeping in the boat while the storm is raging. You're mastering these issues related to your own internal disposition of peace. You've become what the scripture calls the man of peace. Jesus said, when you go to a city, look for a man of peace. Right? Stay there with him. Don't leave his house. When he sent the, 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 the disciples out, he says, when you come to a city, don't go stay with anyone. Go consult and look for a man of peace. Um, even now, when we get international invitations, one of my first things is, am I going, is my host a man of peace? Because I know that the mandate for that region where he's located will be expressed through a household of peace. Right? So I regard New Wine, Rods and Sandy in Mutare as a man of peace in the city of Mutare. Right? God has orchestrated events such that we go through a man of peace. Literally read in the New American Standard Version, if you have one, if you read the marginal rendering, man of peace is read son of peace. Go to a son who is the embodiment of the principle of, of, of peace. Whatever they put before you, Jesus said, eat. So don't be surprised if I come back a bit. Right? Wait. He says, whatever they put, this is instructions for, for, for visit. Whatever they put before you, eat. Don't take um, money in your sack. Don't even take a script. While I'll take a note with something I plan to say, but in essence, the principle is when you are there, while you've prepared, be reliant upon my uh, spirit, uh, speak prophetically as I would lead you. Right? Don't take money because I will provide for you. Because the workman is worthy of his, of his hire. And then he says, if you are well, in fact, when you come there, Jesus says, pronounce your peace first. Peace be on the house. Right? If your peace is received and the house is deserving, your peace will remain. But if they reject you and don't hear you, Jesus said, take your peace back and depart. Right? Simple. 
point I want to make first is this. Everyone say man of peace. You see that, 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 that lesson is a great lesson in that God's regional or territorial purposes will only be expressed through a household of peace. Now, if God has a mandate for our household, let's say in this jurisdiction and in the jurisdictions of the entire earth, guess what we need to be? We need to be the corporate man of peace. We need to be the corporate son of peace. Because the corporate state of peace, the context of peace, is going to be the vehicle in and through which, listen, every sent one will be received, will leave their peace, and will be amplified and built up. Right? Because sent ones come and they are received by men of peace in their jurisdictions so that the purposes of God can be transmitted. So you and I need to become men and women of peace. Literally, the embodiment of peace. The scripture says of Jesus, He is our peace. Right? And, and I want to encourage you by now, because we've been some time focusing on this issue, on the issue of becoming a man of peace. By now, I think this is about the sixth or seventh session, just on this one theme. Right? By now, right, you must be quick to hear and quick to obey. Don't lag in your obedience with these things. By now... Your, your peace should have been increased. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of his peace. Peace in your life should be an increasing dynamic if you claim to be in the kingdom. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall be called what? Sons. The word sons there is euos, not technon. The mature son. Right? The one who receives Christ is the technon. As many as received him, to them gave he power to be called sons. John 1.12 You receive Christ, you have the legal right to call yourself a son. But Matthew 5.9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they also are called sons, but they are called different kind of sons to the ordinary believer who has just accepted Christ. The son who is focused on peacemaking is the Uios son is the mature son. You might be a son by virtue of your acceptance of Christ as Savior, you're in the kingdom, but you are simply technon, not mature. Maturity in God in terms of divine sonship is defined by that son's capacity to make peace. Now this is very, 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 very important. You're going to now position yourself as a peacemaker. You see your brothers are at loggerheads, so you step in and your whole disposition is if I know my brothers are fighting, I will not fuel the fight. But I, can, I position myself to make peace between, each, between the parties involved. Recently, we've seen great reconciliation. Tremendous reconciliation happened between uh, parties. And I really believe God has graced this house. Every word will be tested. There's a grace in this house to make peace. And I want to encourage you. If you are called to arbitrate or to act as a referee or an advisor or a counselor, and somebody asks for opinion, what you say, how you say, the frequency of your speaking, the actual content of your contribution must be laced with grace. Right? It must be, let your speech be with grace so that it will bring edification to the, to the, to the hearers. I spoke to you about salt. John 9, Mark 9.50 says, Have salt within yourself and be at peace with one another. 
right? Your salt, what does salt do? Arrest decay, it's an antiseptic, it's a purifier, right? It's a preserver. Your, all those capacities in the Son of God is directly related to His disposition towards making peace. So you are the salt of the earth only in as far as you have peaceful relations. Simply put, don't go about boasting I'm the salt. Your saltiness is, is determined by your peacefulness. Your saltiness is determined by your capacity to make peace. Right? So, and this is peace between all people. Especially with your enemies. Those that hate you. What is your disposition or reaction to them? Don't despise them. Don't respond negatively to them. But bless your enemies. This is one of the most hardest teachings we've ever done in this church. Bless your enemies. Um, pray for those that despitefully use you. And consciously do it. Deliberately do it. Do it as an act of your will. So you heard something, but your response is, I, I will not, I will respond in the opposite spirit. That's a, a principle we learned years ago. If someone attacks you negatively, respond in the opposite spirit. Right? Don't give them the fight. Because some people are simply looking for a fight. But you, you consistently demonstrate to everybody in your world, I'm not a peace breaker. My response, my utterance. When I hear my, if, if I hear, for example, let's say, if, if I hear two of Thamo's other sons are at loggerheads, and I'm also a son of Thamo, and he's our spiritual father, that would pain me to think that there's rivalry in the house. Right? Whatever the situation is. And I will position myself if someone asks for my comment, if someone asks for my inter intervention, I will position myself to bring peace. You know why? The corporate son must be the son of peace now. The entire household must be the house of peace. Because the enemy is going to throw darts at various levels to, to, to erode the power of the house. This house's saltiness is dependent on its peace strength. It's strong, it's, 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 it's strongness in the realm of peace. Right now, at this stage of the teaching, there should be no rivalry at any level. If you are still harboring that in your heart, you are far behind in terms of the expectation of God, in terms of what, it, what is expected of the Lord for this house. There should be not be an ounce of animosity within your heart. Not a trace, a residue of bitterness. I would command you like the Lord commanded the disciples after he concluded the Beatitudes. Be perfect, because your heavenly Father is perfect. I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be perfect in your relationships. I command you in the name of the Lord, by the Spirit of the Lord, forgive your brother if he's offended you. I command you in the name of the Lord, forgive the person. Pray for the enemy. Position yourself as a peacemaker. Because you know why? The scripture says, then you will be blessed. I sent you the note yesterday. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The, the Greek is makorios. Blessed means well, fortunate, full with the fullness of God, having divine favor on your life. All of those things comes to the peacemaker. They come to the peacemaker. Now in your notes, just quickly, I want to really try and go as fast as possible. The men that came to David, I want to talk to you just quickly about actively enhancing the peace of your father. 
You know why? I, as a spiritual father, while I know, and I know by God's grace, I'm mastering peace. Um, even in the vortex of the most difficult situations, I'm training myself. You don't um, even let others know of your trial. You, you demonstrate, it's not that you're being hypocritical, but you demonstrate the storm is raging. Um, if you looked at Jesus in the boat sleeping, you would never conclude there's a storm outside. His whole disposition said, I'm defying the severity of my need and the storm that rages against me. Not so. right? And I want to encourage you, sometimes um, you depict by your demeanor that you are in unrest. right? We look at your physical posture, your physical body, the expression of, of people's faces, and you know, you're... There's serious problems here. Or there's serious problems in that marriage. I can see it even physically. Or there's serious problems. I can see, and I really want to encourage you. Your joy is not dependent on what you're going through. Your joy is an internal spiritual position that you adopt as the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work within your life. Irrespective of what you're going through externally. If we are going to be kingdom people, the kingdom of God is righteousness Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be the warriors of God, our warrior warlike military might is dependent on our peaceful state. Peace is the military strength of the kingdom. Of the increase of his, what? Government, strong ability to govern and to rule. Government and peace. There will be no, no end. Who is Melchizedek? He's king of what? A king is a person with great military power and governmental ability. But he rules what? The domain of peace. The domain you rule is your empowerment to rule and the outcome of your rule. Peace uh, positions you to rule and peace is the outcome of your rule. So wherever you have peace, you will always have power. Who is Jesus? Prince of peace. He who has power to um, override or obliterate the enemy who is intent on establishing disorder. Everything about peace is power. Everything about peace is strength. I will bless my people with strength. I will give them peace, Isaiah says. And I want to encourage you, develop the principle of, of peace. So when David's, um, uh, a ban comes to David, First Chronicles 12 at Hebron, I think it is, 18, the Spirit came upon Amasai, who was chief of the 30, and he said, we are yours, O David, we are with you, O son of Jesse. Now, let's just stop there. Sons need to give themselves to the mandates vested in their spiritual father. You need to surrender your own agenda. You need to surrender your own ambition. If you're part of this house, and you're linked to this mandate, you must, as a spiritual come, son, come to a place in your life when you say, spiritual father, I am yours. Right? I give myself to you. And that is not unscriptural. Right? Paul said this about the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, this poor church gave out of their deep poverty, they gave liberally to them. Why? He says, because they first gave themselves to the... Lord, comma, and to us. So the Macedonian church 
gave themselves to Paul. You can cross-reference that with First Chronicles 12.18, where the Spirit comes upon a Messiah, the leader of the 30. These were bad dudes. Eh? These 30 could do, these were mighty men of valor. Right? And they say, all our ability, all our strength, David, we give ourselves to you. Why? Listen to what they say further. He says on behalf of the 30, he's saying, O son of Jesse, peace, peace. Everyone say peace, peace. So what, what is the disposition of the spiritual son towards the spiritual father? I exist to ensure that you function in double peace. I will use my talent, my ability, everything, my resource. I want to ensure. Now, you must remember, Saul has just died. And now there's this grouping around David. Right? The, 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 as the house of David grows stronger and stronger, the house of Saul gets weaker and weaker. And the Bible says many bands, many clans, many tribes came around David and they pledged loyalty to him. This group, these are the elite force. This is the SWAT team. These, these are highly trained men. They come to David and they say, David, we are yours. Peace, peace to you. And this is what they say to you. Peace, peace to you and peace to him who helps you. Think about what these men are saying. They are saying, David, we are not the only ones. There's a whole lot of tribes here coming to pledge allegiance and support to you. We say, peace, peace. Double shalom. Shalom. Shalom to you, David. Right? Plus, peace to everybody else here that has gathered to help you. Let me just say, this is, this is a heightened requirement above the ordinary person that's around David that is committed to peace. This, these elite forces are saying to David, as our spiritual father, we are committed to ensure your double peace. But, listen carefully, how do I ensure your double peace? I do that by ensuring that there's peace to everyone here that helps you. Right? How can you ensure my peace? By being peaceful with your brother. Hmm? These men say, peace, peace to you. And their intent, their disposition is that peace to everyone here, David, that is around you. You wonder why David was so successful. And you know what the Bible says about these men? The Bible says, David received them, or rather, listen to what further they say, before we get there. They say, and peace to him who helps you, indeed what? Your, your God helps you. Right? Now, if you have not come to a recognition that God is with your spiritual father, you must leave him immediately. There was a recognition by these 30. Hey, David, we knew we can see God is with you. So this fuels our commitment towards you. In your mind, you must have clear resolve and a recognition within your heart that the, the, the spiritual father that God has called you to, that God is with him. So you position yourself to ensure his double peace by ensuring peace to everybody that helps him. You know what these men were saying? David, we will ensure your double peace. And there's issues with everybody else here that's positioned themselves to help you. We will ensure that they are at peace too. Peace to you and peace to everyone that helps you. You know what these men were saying? We are the peacemakers in the clan. We position our blessed... And what... what everyone say blessed... The Bible says David gives them the chiefest positions in the army. 
right? They lead bands. You know why? Their whole disposition is to ensure the double peace of David. Let these words ring in your mind every time you have to make a decision, every time you have to adopt an attitude. Will what I'm embarking on bring Randolph and Renee double peace? Or will my intention, my decision I'm about to make, the attitude I'm about to adopt, the mentality, the mindset I'm about to adopt, will this either erode their peace or bring them double peace? And your motivation is this. They must become the depictions of peace, the men of peace in this jurisdiction, because our household must be a household of peace so that grace can be received. Because God will only send resource to a household if they are corporate men of peace. Sons of peace in the sons of peace in the city. Now you will see this in the New Testament, just quickly. Um, okay, I'll put another verse in First Thessalonians five twelve says, uh, Paul said this, listen carefully. We request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those that labor diligently among you. Just stop right there. Everyone say appreciate. There's not, no revelation here. You must just appreciate those that labor diligently among you. Right? Have a high esteem for them. And the scripture says this, they have charge over you in the Lord, give you instruction, that you esteem them very highly in love because of their, of their work. You think Paul would stop there. Just adding like a, it's almost like an after, oh, by the way, live at peace with one another. But that's not like an afterthought. That's critical to what he's just said. He says, um, note them that labor diligent. Diligently means they're serious about their jobs. They don't not fly by night messages. Right? They take their job seriously, waiting upon the Lord, speaking to the needs of the house, forming Christ in the believers. He says, them you must appreciate. Tell your neighbor, we appreciate our spiritual fathers. I appreciate mine for his diligence of his labor, commitment to see Christ formed in me. Right? Then the Bible says, esteem them. In other words, in your mind, rank them very highly. Esteem them highly in the Lord. Right? And then he says, it's almost like, now live at peace with one another. The two thoughts are not disconnected. Right? In other words, I would like to think of it like this. Your esteem for me, who labors diligently among you, must be evidenced by your capacity to live at peace with Sean. You are not esteeming me when you're not living peaceably with your brother. The peace of your, my greatest joy, never mind your honor of me, my greatest joy is to see a household of brothers, a house where people are respecting one another. There's no bitterness. There's love is the order of the day. Even when there is severe uh, issues, uh, mess-ups within the house, the principle of forgiveness overrides. And love is covering a multitude of sins. Right? You know, I thought about that scripture this week. It doesn't say love covers sin. It says love covers what? Multitude. You, some of you have still, you are still struggling with covering the one sin of the brother. The challenge is not cover his one sin, cover his multitude. He, he offends you once, you have problems forgiven him. 
But Jesus said, he offends you 70 times. Seven, not in a year, in the same day. How's that for rubbing the point in? Jesus said, he offends you 70 times. Seven, in the same day, you forgive him. That would give me, as a spiritual father, that's my joy. That's your peace with each other is my double peace. And you know, when I'm at peace, I can occupy my prayer time. I want to pray for issues. Lord, help them sort these things out. I, I can apply my energies to waiting upon the Lord to give you food. Where peace persists. Um, Quentin read the scripture. When Jesus rode last week, when Jesus rose from the dead and he walked to the walls, first thing he says to his disciples, peace. Jules sent a, a word thought in the week about Daniel. The angel came. First word that the angel sends to Daniel is what? Peace. In other words, the newness of revelation, the new revelation of Christ to the disciples, anything new from the throne of the Lord will not be received unless the state or environment of peace is first established. It's like the angel said, Daniel, you're not going to receive anything from me until I establish your peace. And I'm saying to the house, please hear my heart's cry. I'm saying to the house, I know that, you know what, you know what this series is so critical. I know in my heart, revelation is going to flow like torrents from the, from, from the, from the heavens. It's almost like God is, yes, I'm hearing God and I'm preparing, really seeking God. I study daily, almost the whole day, every day, including Saturdays most times. And I'm pouring my, my I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord. And the Lord is saying, Randolph, yes, I'll talk to you. But there's a realm of my speaking you're not going to access until your whole house comes into elevated peace state. Because when the peace state is raised, then Lord, I'll come through walls and I will show you my newness, my resurrected state. I will reveal to you mysteries. I will reveal, I will share with you on a deeper level. But you know, further to this, God is saying, there's nothing I will withhold from you. That is why this issue of peace is so vitally important. Paul, look, look at the Philippians. To the Philippians, Paul said this. And, you know, and I read this, I hear Paul's heart. We've had this before. Philippians 2, I don't think it's in some of your notes, but if it's not, just make a note of it. Philippians 2 from verse 1 to 4. Um, Paul says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and compassion, here's the thing, make my joy complete. How can the Philippian church make Paul's joy complete? Think about this, what Paul is, what is the subtext, the implication of what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, you church determine my joy. Listen carefully. I don't, not, not really, because Paul can live above that. But the word is complete. He said, I can only come to a state of fullness of the thing. When you Philippians do the following, he says, be of the same mind. Maintain the same love. One or united in spirit. Intent on one purpose. Tell your neighbor we are here for one purpose. And I believe that purpose is growing. Recently listened to Alexandra. I was at all the meetings except for the Friday evening where we had the marriage. 
counseling, uh, uh, the marriage uh, session here with the, with the married couples. And he just really enlarged my perspective on, on, on kingdom, on the kingdom, right? I'll, I'll share, not now, but sometime later on some of the issues uh, that he raised. Make my joy complete. But listen carefully. I really believe just we have one purpose. And God said to me, um, I wrote this twice in my iPad while taking notes on the weekend. God said, Randolph, you need to raise your personal, uh, the, the agenda of the house above its domestic emphasis. It has to be kingdom. Not that it wasn't before, but it must be done more consciously. Right? It, it, it must be done more vociferously. And for that to happen, everybody needs to be on board. Amen? Everyone needs. There's a greater purpose that we're work, working towards. Amen? And I want to encourage you, if that greater purpose is going to go beyond the realm of the local church, it's going to go beyond this paneled house. I read Haggai early this morning, the whole book of Haggai. Right? It was all these kingdom thoughts that I was on, talking to my spirit, were, were, were churning over in my heart and mind. You know what God said to Haggai? Um, you say it's not time to build the house of the Lord. Right? But it is time. You're still building your panel houses while the temple of the Lord lies in ruins. Therefore, you sow and you don't reap. You have money, but you put it in holes with, with pockets. God was saying to me, the level of prosperity and your breakthrough is going to be dependent upon raising the mandate of the house away from the local panel house focus to the corporate temple. To the city temple. That's why I will support initiatives like we just had in the bluff. Why? It takes the focus off our locality. There's something bigger, something grander that God is working. And the challenge that He left with us is if you align with God's purpose, the blessing is in your alignment with what He's doing. Not with your own vision, but with, with God's vision. Amen? And I really want to challenge your thought. We have sometimes serious problems in getting people just to be faithful to these meetings. What about when now, for example, the expectation of the Lord says, now you're going to, to, to form the temple in the city. The church in the city needs to be formed. And there's a great momentum towards this, this end. right? There's a great push towards the development of the city church. But you, had to, you, had, you can't think parochially, narrowly, like a horse with blinkers, stick only in front of you. Only see yourself, only see you, your family, and nobody else. You've got to say, God, I'm going to embrace the broader mandate. You can't even see this family only. Right? Uh, who, who was there last night? Some of you were there last night. Trevor echoed the host. Such gratitude to me just for being present at every meeting. And when he said it, for those of you who were there, I heard his heart. Right? And you know what transpired? Great, significant Alexandra, I sat in a meeting from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock yesterday, right? in the afternoon, Saturday morning. And he orchestrated, I saw the wisdom of an apostle, preached and we had discussion, open questions. And he orchestrated a, penetra a strategic penetration into the Amlazi township that's going to happen in January 2014. Now I'm saying, listen, the point, I'm, I'm saying all that to say this. God is saying, I'm busy with an agenda. I'm getting things done. You must align yourself with what I'm doing. Don't get locked up so much embroiled in your locality, in your smallness. 
Because my blessing in, for you is when you align with my overall corporate purpose. Hmm? And remember, um, uh, he reminded us, when Joshua came to Jericho, and the, the, the angel of the Lord stood before him. And before they attacked, the angel said to Joshua, or Joshua said to the angel, are you for us or are you against us? Right? And the angel said, neither. <laughs> right? I'm not for you or against you. I've come as the commander of the armies of the, of the Lord. What the angel was saying to him, listen, I'm not for you or against you personally or specifically as a person. I am for the purposes of God. If you can simply align yourself with the purposes of God, I will be for you. Don't think that you are safe. I'm speaking to you prophetically this morning. Don't think that you are safe with your current commitment. Because you might be just lending support to the wrong thing. I'm calling upon the house for two things. Support the local mandate. But now the local mandate is adopting a more global kingdom mandate. The church in the... The church in the city. Being part of the, the meetings, for me, my presence lent support to global purpose. Right? Lent support. Our understanding of how regional developments will take place for our South Durban Basin. Amen? We're about taking regions. Rahab the harlot would have been destroyed in Jericho. He was not against Jericho. He was not for Israel, the angel. He was for anybody that will align themselves to God's purpose. Rahab the harlot should have been destroyed. But she had wisdom enough to say, I better jump on the Lord's side because there I'll be safe. Amen. Similarly, I'm pressing upon you. Readjust your commitments. Readjust your mindset. Priorities need to change. Right? It's so difficult to get people to meetings. Right? I, I taught Three sessions, three long sessions, actually tantamounted to six sessions on simply the importance of gathering. Gathering locally and gathering beyond your, your local church. Right? Say one purpose. Now you can bring me peace, Paul says to the Philippians. Being of the same mind, on the same intent, focused on one purpose. In this season, your private agenda, your personal ambition has got to be set aside in deference for God's will. I, I, I sound this out as a prophetic warning this morning. God is saying, don't focus on your panel houses. Your personal private affairs take secondary importance to my agenda. God's saying, if you align yourself to, to my agenda, I will bless you. You will be saved. I will prosper you even in the process of your realignment to my purposes. And this is what he said. Let's read further. In verse 3, do nothing, everyone say nothing. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, right? But with humility regard one another as more important than yourself. Now as I read this, brethren, hear the heart of a spiritual father crying out to this church. He's saying, please guys, whatever you do, do nothing from the position of haughtiness, conceit, or vain ambition. Don't try to get ahead. He says, in your estimation of each other, regard everyone here as more important than yourself. You know, if we get, just get this scripture right, we go a long way. Right? See, so, you know, when I go to the meeting of the brothers, every, every Wednesday morning we meet, at Thomas household here in the city, 
And we now, we last meeting, we gathered about 20. Last week, when is it? The week before that. Right? Every morning, we're discussing dialogue, theological issues. And there's also a mandate of God attendant with that process. What am I doing? I'm building the temple in the city. Right? I'm pastor of this local house. Let me just say this. This local house is not an idol. If you thought anything that, if your whole position towards how we gather as a household is idolatrous, it's idolatrous when you can only think this far and not further. I'm not saying it's idolatrous when you, you think this is the best thing that ever happened to you. Yes, it's good. The house is good. But it's idolatrous when it becomes the end of all that you see. You have to see beyond what we are doing here locally. Amen? So, I really want to encourage you, next time I call for meetings, let's demonstrate our commitment to a, a bigger purpose. Amen? A bigger purpose. Be faithful to these local meetings, but also, you know I'm saying that I'm preparing your heart for a commitment beyond the locality of this local church. This, it's going to come, and let me just say this, your safety is going to be in the city. I won't have time, maybe next year we can do a whole series on the city church. You know? Uh, Alexander said something yesterday. If Paul, or Jesus himself, had to write a letter to the church in Durban, which church would receive it? We are so disorganized as the church in the city. You know, all of Paul's letters were not to a local church like this. It's to the church at Corinth. Corinth is a city. Philippi is a city. Thessalonica is a city. But there was a mechanism in a church, in a city, where local houses, the house of Chloe, uh, and the house of Stephanus, for example. There was a mechanism by which they could rally together to receive apostolic instruction. Corporately, they became the man of peace. You know what? My, my frustration is sometimes, we are struggling to determine peace amongst us. What about the next level? I'll tell you, but there's a next level. If you thought I'm done with you yet, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm trying to get you to be at peace. Then be at peace, yeah. But let's jump out of the church. What happens when God calls us corporately to relate to another church? If at that stage of our corporate development, we haven't mastered mentalities and attitudes of peace, we have no hope for the church in the city. So I embrace my brothers wherever I see them. Hmm? I, I, I support, I embrace, I say I'm with you. What you're doing, you're not alone. You have a brother from another mother maybe, but I'm with you in the spirit, supporting what your initiative and what you do. Amen? Now, and let me just close, not close, close this verse. Do not merely look for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. Everyone say Philippians 2. Now you would think that's Philippians 2. Paul is starting the fourth chapter and he there's an issue in the, in the city of Philippi that warrants his mention of two specific individuals by name. And he says this, Therefore, beloved brethren, whom I long to see. I can almost cry when I read verse 1. Because I can hear his heart of love for people. He says, My beloved brethren, I long to see. My joy and my crown. In this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I wrote in my notes an intense feeling of an apostolic burden. I urge. Everyone say, I urge. What are some synonyms for urge? 
that you know. If you say, I urge you, what other words can we use? I beg you. I implore you. Right? I beseech you. I can literally see the apostle on his knees saying, please, Philippi, get this thing right. Right? And what he says, he writes to Clements, an associate. He says, I urge Yodia. Now you should jump immediately. Yodios is the Greek word for prosperity. I wish that you prosper and be in good health. Yodiu or Yodia. This lady's name is, I mean, she's the, the depiction of prosperity. I beseech Yodia. I urge Sintich. A strange name. Please don't call your name of your child Sintich. <laughs> I think that's the way it's pronounced. I'm not sure. Sintaish. Whichever way you pronounce it sounds bad. <laughs> okay. I urge Yodia and Sintich to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also, you should underline, to help these women. I don't know why it's a woman thing. He says, please help these women. Underline, who shared in my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Syntax's name means fortunate, well met. You can write their favor. Write favor. So prosperity and favor can't work together. Yodia and Syntax, prosperity, success, and favor. And Paul appeals, we don't know who the brother is appealing to. He appeals to someone in this verse who is unnamed, he calls him my true companion. Some people believe it was Timothy, but never mind. Person's identity are important. But what, what I want to focus on, think about, we don't know who these women were. All we know, they, by reading this scripture, they must have been fairly significant role players in the city of Philippi. They were women, and the Bible says they shared in Paul's struggles at some point in his ministry. So they were associates in ministry. We don't know what the issue was. The Bible does not say what the problem was that causes these two women to not, there's no peace, no harmony. So after Paul beseeches the church at Philippi in Philippians 2, be of the same mind, be intent on one purpose, honor everyone as more important than yourself, do not be conceited, look out for each other's needs, etc. He says, oh, by the way, I just think like, now, it's like, I often wonder, Paul, why even mention these people's names? For you to mention names in a public, this was a public letter, means this was public knowledge. It means that everyone in the city knew there was an issue between Euodia and Sintich. So he appeals to some apostle, a true, he says, please, my true companion, I appeal to Sintich and Euodia to live in harmony in the Lord. You, true companion, now, I want to appeal to the Yodias and Syntax among us. Please live in harmony in the Lord. I beg you. Let me go on my knees. I beseech you in the Lord. Please be at peace with one another. But I'm also addressing not just the Yodias and Syntax. I'm addressing my true companions. My Amasais. My chief of thirties. You position yourself and help the uh, if you know of parties in this fellowship, even beyond this, where the people can't walk, can't see eye to eye. Help them. The word help is used. Come alongside and assist the process. Right? Maybe this true companion called a meeting after they received this letter. 
I would like to have believed there was a good outcome to this. You know why? Yodia means success. What does it mean? Prosperity. To embark upon a journey. Same things, a prosperous journey. Right? And I believe as we embark upon our desire to move, that God will meet us with favor. There's a hidden spiritual principle in here. Well met, fortunate. Well, well favored. Amen? Well favored. So would you do this? Yes or no? Are you going to become the man of peace in the city? I really want to beg you, as Paul begged the church, please live in harmony with one another. And if you perceive issues, don't, by your contribution, further exacerbate it, but position yourself as one that's going to help the process of causing people to live in harmony with the Lord. Just quickly. Can I take five minutes? The next issue I want to really challenge you about. Pursue and don't neglect the things which make for peace. This verse, this phrase in the Bible really grabs me. Everyone say things that make for peace. Paul uses it twice in two of his letters. He says, pursue, for example, in Romans 14, 19, we pursue the things that make for peace and the building up of one another. Underline the word building up. You see, there can be no building up unless there's peace. Or rather, I would like to believe people are built up because of the environment of peace. Pursue things that make for peace and for the things that build up each, build up one another. Now, quickly, let me read this prophetic verse to you, quickly. Prophetic, this is a prophetic verse. Everyone say prophetic. Prophetic verse. Luke 19, from verse 37 to 44. Please listen with the, eye of the, with the ear of the Spirit. As soon as he was approaching, near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd and the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen. Shouting, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these stones become silent, so if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. Now here is what, here's the challenge. Right? He comes to the city. Everyone say the city. And we're talking about moving beyond our locality, our smallness, to the city demonstration. He comes to a whole city and he says this. Oh, Jerusalem, if you had only had known this day, even you, the things, again the phrase we hear, the things which make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw a, throw a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave you one stone upon another because you did not, here's a phrase, you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Now, I want to challenge you with this. Everyone say things that make for peace. In other words, there are things that make for peace and there are things that make for war. You are expected to pursue the behavior 
the decision, the act, the attitude that will foster peace and not break peace. Think twice before you act. Think twice before you embark upon a decision. Will this decision make for the peace of the house? Will this decision make for the double peace of my father? Will this decision erode the peace of our house and erode the house of his strength? Okay? Now, Jesus said, Jerusalem, because you did not recognize the things that make for peace, they're going to come and hem you all around. He, was, he prophesied the... When did this happen? Actually happened. The destruction of Jerusalem? Actually happened in what year? You should know this by now. A.D. 70. The Roman Empire literally surrounded them and destroyed the entire city and the temple. Okay? So this prophecy was fulfilled. And Jesus saw this. Imagine, Jesus looks 70 years into the future and he says, Oh my God, can you picture this? That's why he weeps. He weeps over the city and he says, This is going to happen to you. And you know what? The, the destruction was because simply, you did not know the things that make for peace. You did not recognize the time of your visitation. The Greek word for visitation here is, uh, it, it, it's, it's very similar to episcopeo. Get the word scope. Scope means as reference to sight. You know, anything with scope, like periscope, telescope, all got to do with your sight or your perspective or your seeing. And listen carefully, in the Greek, when Jesus is saying, city of Jerusalem, you did not recognize the time of your visitation. He's not saying really, yes, it includes the fact that you did not regard me as the Messiah, as the one sent to you. I will not, you will not see my face until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It includes all of that, but more so than that, the word episcopate in this context, visitation, refers to a, an inspector or an investigator that comes to a site to assess it thoroughly. And after thorough assessment, um, gives the context the answer to its solution. But the context or the person or the place being investigated walks away from the inspection and disregards it. Jesus is saying, you did not know the season of your, your inspection. You did not know the time of your assessment. I, I say to this house prophetically, the past few weeks have been the visitation of the Lord. God's word came to us, and I have shared, I have labored diligently, I have shared with you session upon session, various principles or things that make for your peace. I've been challenging you on certain things. Adopt this position. Do that. And there are things which make for peace. Please get this into your spirit. Everyone say things that make for peace. I've been sharing with you Clues, principles, directives, advice. Pursue the thing, embark upon this course of action, that there are things that make for peace. Jerusalem's destruction is because Jesus specifically says in verse 42, if you had known this day, even the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from you. And then he prophesies destruction. But I say to you, you, the things which make for your peace, have not been hidden from you. They've been known to you, made known to you. Don't walk away from them. Because I prophesy that if you walk away from them, there will be some form of calamity. So, the, the, the import of what I'm saying is, obey. Obey everything I've said. 
your peace will be great. Scripture says that. Your peace will be great. Right? And great reward and prosperity will be your portion. Your peace will be great. I don't want to talk about, oh, there's so much I wanted to say because of time. It just doesn't permit us. Um, just take this reference down. You can read it. Um, I wrote it in my notes as a warning. I just put you it's in pending. Warning, 2 Corinthians 12, 18. Right until chapter 13, verse 3. From 2 Corinthians 12, 18 up to chapter 13, verse 3. Please, when you get home, read that. And see the cry of, of Paul, the apostle, to the Corinthian context. Right? See the cry. And let me just finish off because uh, uh, on a prophetic hope. Acts 9.32. Peace, peace precedes increase. I'm excited about our move to the new building. Okay? We've just signed an offer to purchase um, when, two, three days ago. And so we may have to be out of this building in the next two to three months. Right? So... The move is on. Tell your neighbor the move is on. Right, the move is on. Right? Mike Weitenberg prophesied that something significant awaits us in March 2014. Everyone say four months. And I felt this prophetic burden. That's, that scripture just hit me. John 4. Do not say they're four months. Right? Uh, but I want us to encourage. Think growth. Think increase. Think development. Think progress. Think movement. Amen? Think... Uh, you know what? I think God's going to give us a place where we'll be able to beam the message off on a far more kingdom-wide perspective. Everything about this ministry is going away from its parochial smallness and away from its locality. God has hidden us for a while for very specific reasons. We've been in the backside of the desert. We've been hidden in the furnace. Things God had to test. Aren't you glad God didn't grow us prematurely? You know what? If we had gone prematurely, and some of the things which we had to contend with as a house in the past two years, we contend with at that level, we would have been exposed to great demonic assault. But God in His wisdom, don't you appreciate the loving wisdom of our Heavenly Father? Okay? Do you, would you like to drive home? You say, yes. <laughs> you would like it, but I will not give it. You don't have your license. You're not fit your desire is good, but you're not prepared. And I heard the Lord say, Franz Duplessis opened the conference, yeah, Franz Jr., on the Thursday night, and he powerfully shared this principle. God gives you nothing until you are ready for it. And I'm saying, God did not fast track our development because really we're not, we're not licensed and authorized in the Spirit. And what I'm saying, and I'm saying to the house is, these messages and challenges of peace have been preparatory to everything God is going to cause us to do. Right? Because when we get to that level and offenses rise, we're going to forgive in the next breath. You know, right now, right now, I'm challenging you, right now, if you hear the most severest thing that somebody did to you, right now you get news as you go out. And my challenge to you is, you got not even five minutes to waste. I'm saying in your next breath, you have to quickly step into forgiveness, institute the reconciliation, consolidate the peace, live in harmony, because you can't afford to give the enemy a wedge in. Can't afford it. Right? So let me just close up with this. Um, I'll read this, Acts 9.31, uh, and I'll stop. 
So the church throughout all Judah, Galilee, and Samaria. Now that, that is like three localities. Judea, Galilee, Samaria. And then after that, access the uttermost part. Remember this, this principle? So in essence, there's a corporate context. This is far b- bigger than a local church. Not so? It's Judah, Galilee, and is it Galilee? Yeah, Galilee and Samaria. I like this phrase. The Bible says they enjoyed peace. You know, I circled this word enjoyed this morning while I was praying. I said, Lord, I want to enjoy peace. This is not, not having peace. This is like peace that you enjoy. This is a state of contentment. Who's tired of fighting? Hmm? You know where I'm at now? I am beyond complaining. Even if somebody disappoints me, I don't even voice it anymore. Even if I'm disappointed in any regard, it doesn't leave my mouth. I'm training my spirit. You see, I shared this with you a while ago. The groan, or rather the complaint of the soul, is the substitute for the groan in the spirit. Your groan spiritually from your spirit man will never ever come to accuracy of the place where God wants it if you entertain complaint in the soul. Right? Train yourself. I mean, even in the smallest thing. So the brother said he's going to meet you at nine. So 20 past nine, you're waiting, you're getting frustrated. Where the H is he? I won't use the word. You, no, please, don't look at me like that. You think these things. Right? I'm not the only one. You say, what? You know, and you're angry. Come to the place where you don't even complain about it. Complaint, that's my, I need to do a whole study on complaint. Just one session will do. Lest you complain that the study on complaints is too long. (laughs) But the Bible has much to say about it. Watch your words. If you are going to be perfect, be perfect in your speech. Amen? Right? So tell them no more complaining. So even even if the curry is too much salt, honey, this curry is so powerful. I'm training my spirit to enjoy, even the more. <laughs> I'm not saying be like, a, what's the word? Don't ignore reality. Right? Note it, but be careful how you talk about it. Amen? Amen. I had great reason to complain this whole week on many levels. But let me get to the point. Everyone say, enjoy your peace. So the church enjoyed peace. And listen, being built up. Going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit and continue to what? To increase. Let me give you the context. Everyone look at me. This is Acts 9. Paul is converted. Saul of Tarsus who kills Christians. Saul the serial killer. The persecutor saved. He is now the apostle. The greatest opponent of the church becomes the greatest proponent of the church. Conversion. Right? There's a cessation to some degree of the persecution. And the strength and the whole uh, momentum of it. God puts an end to it. Right? And then you get this scripture. Right? And the scripture says, And all the churches in Judea, Samaria, Galilee, enjoyed peace. Now, once peace is, the results ensue. Which are? Which? Once you get the peace, you get built up. You go on in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, And the church continued to increase. Point is, no increase if there's no peace. No comfort, no being built up if there's no peace. Now this was on an, ex- the threat was external to the church. 
right? Persecution. But not so. Not really. It was really internal. You know why? Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was a Pharisee. This was a religious exercise, not a political one, right? This, and why did Saul persecute Christians? The Bible says in his own words, he thought he was serving the God of his forefathers. Abraham, Isaac, and he thought by killing Christians, he was doing God a favor. So this is not an external enemy. This is internal conflict in the kingdom. And God said to me, I'm about to silence the voice of persecution. I'm about, I'm about to silence internal sibling rivalry in the kingdom. You get sibling rivalry in a house where brothers or sisters or, 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 or sons and daughters would fight each other. That always brings parents into distress when that happens. God is saying, I'm about to end the persecuting dynamic within the house. I believe Acts 9 is going to be our portion. Maybe some of you need a Damascus Road experience. You, like Saul, might be persecuting a brother in blindness. Thinking you're doing God a favor by your attitude, by your responses, by, and thinking you're justified. Until God must turn the lights on. You know, you all have blind spots. Ask your neighbor, do you know what your blind spots are? The answer. Now, if they say I know, then definitely they don't know. Because nobody knows. The very word blind means you can't see. It's, your, it's, it's something you are unaware of that only someone extraneous outside of you can know. Oh, Jules, did you know that whenever you do this, you say, oh, I didn't know that. Your blind spot can't see it. Your blind spot could be a behavior, it could be an attitude. And let me just say, Paul had a major blind spot, thinking he's doing God a favor by killing the first martyr, Stephen. Standing there with great pride and approval, I'm serving my God, kill this guy. Big blind spot. And I'm saying to some of us, you're still harboring the bitterness, you're still harboring the unforgiveness, thinking you are justified before God. Big blind spot. Some of us need a Holy Ghost spotlight upon us. And I'm saying this prophetically to us as a house. The persecution element is ended in the name of the Lord. No brother will persecute another brother. Be it in this fellowship, be it part of Dr. Segi's household, be it part of Apostle Thamo's household, or those of the late Apostle Francis' household, be it anybody not in the apostolic so-called be the church. Um, I'm supporting the harvest meetings now tonight. Uh, then went with Pastor Oliver. Why do I go? Why do I go? Why will I make the time to go? I love the body of Christ. Even brothers that are not on the same page as me. I go to demonstrate. It's not about me and my locality and what we're doing. I'll demonstrate my commitment to the whole body. To the whole body. You know Psalm 20 is my absolute favorite song. I was read this morning. Right? And God's about to remember your offerings. He says, may the Lord remember your offerings. Your offerings, not just your financial offerings. Every expression of sacrifice that you make, the Lord will remember that. Amen? The Lord's going to remember these things. And the Lord will send you help from where? Zion. From the sanctuary. Everyone said, the Lord sends you help. From his sanctuary. Repeat after him. May the Lord help you. From Zion. What Zion? The church. Not just a local church. Zion is the corporate church. Your next help is rooted in your commitment to the corporate church. Right? Help. I don't know how. I don't know how God will orchestrate these things. God will help you 
from the context of Zion. Amen? God will help you. And who needs help? <laughs> I do. Man, my hands first. Okay, we've gone overboard this morning. Sorry for that. But because I won't be here next week, I had to do this. So you're getting double dose. Amen? Double dose. Once again, I urge you like Paul urged the Philippians. Live in harmony with one another. Amen? Forgive. Cover your brother's sins. Don't expose it. Don't talk about it to others. Keep things confidential. Right? Build. Pursue the things that make for peace. And for the building up of one another in love. Amen? Amen.